Hey everybody, Coach here. Hey, hope things are going well for you. And again, as always, thanks for taking me along wherever you're going and listening to this podcast. Hope you learn a little something. Hey, we are talking mulch this week. It is a topic of, uh, shall we say, highly opinionated and controversial at times in the DIY portion of the green industry. I will share what I know and I'll tell you what I don't know and my experience with many types that are available out there. I really do appreciate you joining me. Let's get this thing going, shall we? Hey friends, Maestro here. Just dropping a reminder to check out the podcast description for discount opportunities and any important links. Also, if you're listening to this podcast on a specific app, please don't forget to rate and review the show. It helps us grow and continue to provide these free podcasts. Okay, hey, thanks for staying with me. Welcome back. Let's look at a definition first, and then we'll launch this thing full throttle, shall we? You know, mulch is kind of loosely defined as a covering, a basic covering on the ground in a landscape environment that insulates, neutrifies the soil, reduces weeds, controls evaporation, reduces diseases, and we'll get into that a little bit, and basically beautifies, right? Doesn't that sound about like what mulch does? Well, that just about says it all, I think. Well, almost. Let's get into this. Most everybody who has had a home or has had a yard is familiar with the term mulch. You know, you got to plant that plant and then you got to mulch around it. We've heard that for decades, right? It was one of the first things I learned in, you know, ornamental horticulture decades ago. I think the broadest use of mulch in the DIY community is to beautify an area in someone's landscape. Beautify the front foundation beds. Beautify the walking areas between the vegetable rows. Any number of things. That's the main purpose. The second, third, and fourth reasons are just kind of like beneficial byproducts of beautification. You know, you're, you're insulating, you're controlling evaporation, etc. But most homeowners don't say, man, I need to get out and mulch that thing because I really need to reduce the evaporation in the soil. No, mostly people want to have a wild hair up their butts on a Saturday morning in April and they're saying, I got to make this yard look just as good as the Joneses across the street. So they go buy 10, 10 bags of something at a box store and remulch the front flower beds and plant a bunch of marigolds or whatever and they've beautified the area. I would say for the average homeowner, this mainly takes place in the springtime because, uh, hey, let's face it, you know, everything is renewed, everyone's getting out there and getting spring fever. And people kind of redo the mulch because the old mulch, well, maybe some of it got raked out last fall with all the leaves, or two, it is broken down. It used to be four inches deep, now it's an inch and a half deep. Or you got a lot of hard water with pop up sprays and overspray, and it kind of gets that that grayish brown overcast with all the calcium deposits from your water, you know, and that's, that's just what happens. And we get out there as responsible homeowners and we rake some of the old out if it needs to be raked out or we mulch over it. As a homeowner myself for decades, a contractor for many, many years, I too mulched my own personal landscapes and I also mulched every customer's landscape that I ever did work for as well. I used organic products mostly, and I say mostly. And when I say uh, organic products, I'm talking about a wood product of some kind. 
uh, or a byproduct of wood, uh, like commercial mulches that were sold in bulk, the big, big, big piles of mulch that you would seed in the bulk materials yards. Now, out west, there was a company, and I'll, I'll not name it. Ah, shoot, I'll, I'll name it. It was in uh, northern Stanislaus County called Recology. And Recology was really noted for its inexpensive mulches. And what they did was they took wood scrap from home buildings or whatever, and they would throw them through these ginormous shredders and just tear them into small little bits and pieces of wood. And then they would run them through a food dye and then pile them up and you ended up with brown, red, ugh, uh, or black mulches. And that's a lot of what the local landscape industry used. Now there was another product that was out there for a long time that I used for many, many years and it was fantastic. But then the company got bought up and the new company that came in, they like quadrupled the price of it. They had an excellent product. They really did. It was also food colored dyed, but it was a really micro bark. It was an actual bark from coniferous trees that they had, and they stained it a dark, dark brown, almost a black. And I loved that stuff. I used it in many of my projects uh, at home and for customers as well. But when they quadrupled the price, nah, I just couldn't. I couldn't stay competitive by using that thing. I had to go with recologies. So in many places, like out west where I practiced, uh, you had the bulk materials, which you picked up in pickup loads or in trailer loads, or you had it delivered in dump trucks or whatever. I can remember the most mulch I ever ordered was 130 cubic yards for one of the last projects I ever did. It was uh, three transfer trucks three transfer trucks that had walking floors and they would just back up and the walking floors would just start shoving that stuff out and it was kind of neat to see and it's a heck of a lot of mulch but it was a very very big job but there's also the bag products that you see at uh, the stores as well now remember most anything can be considered a mulch it's a covering right wasn't that the definition we used earlier so you could have bark you could have chipped wood you could have peat moss, you could have sphagnum moss, you could have any number of things. But if you're using a bag product for a larger job, you are losing out. You're losing a lot of dollars that you're never going to regain. That's an expensive way to mulch. Bag products are really, really good if you use them uh, in small, small projects, something like that. But say you're going to redo the front yard and you have a uh, lawn and trees and shrubs and ground covers and everything else go to the local bulk materials yard and have them if you have a pickup or you have a trailer okay get it yourself if not have them deliver and maybe you need uh, say five cubic yards of mulch to do your project if you go out and buy that by the bag it's probably going to be at least 2x if not 3x over the price of bulk materials now, some other types of mulches, like back east in the eastern U.S., pretty much, I would say, New York South. I'm trying to go through my mental Rolodex here. A lot of them use pine straw uh, in bales. In some cases, I've seen them right out of the back of 53-foot trailers parked in uh, Lowe's or Home Depot, and people would get big bales of it just thrown right into their their pickup trucks or whatever. 
and it's it's not a mulch that I ever used out west. I mean, we did have pine trees and stuff, but uh, really exclusive back there. And they mound it up. We're talking up to 12 inches deep. Very airy type of mulch. But it does insulate. It does reduce evaporation. It does reduce weed infestation. So, hey, for the most part, it works. And it's worked for uh, probably centuries. So, are there any other mulches, Coach? Well, actually, since you asked, there are some that I have used and some that I have not. And we're going to get into a controversial part of it here in just a second. There is also stone mulch. And I have used various types of stone mulch at customers' requests. I have not used, no, I shouldn't say that. Around the Palmas Waterfall and stuff, I use stone mulch. And I'll bet you Meister will show you a picture of it in the video this week. You know, placed properly, stone mulch is a really excellent way to reduce your maintenance, reduce weed growth, provided you use a barrier, and depending on the, the type, the depth, and that barrier, man, this can really be a very low-maintenance landscape and certainly a low-maintenance mulch. Generally, once it's down, it's down. And unless you take it out, it's not going anywhere. Unless you come in with a string trimmer or a shovel or doggo or kiddos or whatever, kicking it around or whatever, no, mulches that are made from stone are going to be around for as long as you own the home. So what kind did I use? I've used everything from pea gravel. Uh, I have used half inch, actually three eighths half inch and three quarter inch limestone gravels as mulch. I have used small river stone, like the three quarter inch round river stone, which was around my pondless waterfall at Weed Patch Ranch. And I've even mulched up to three inch by five inch cobblestones in places. But I never used gravels in a hillside application. That I never did. That was always organic. So why, why the landscape fabric barrier? I'll give you at least two reasons off the top of my head. And some people hate weed fabric. Some people love weed fabric. It's like, go with quality stuff and in the right application. You can't beat it. And I'll tell you how to like it after we get done here just a little bit. So, the two reasons. You use the barrier so the gravels of any kind don't sift down into the surrounding soils and create a soil condition less than perfect for the plants that you invested in that area. You know, harder, rockier soil, more compact soil, and certainly less insulative as it starts to uh, reduce in depth and sift into the soils. Number two is the kind of the reduction of present weeds in the soil. You notice I didn't say weeds to come, I said present weeds in the soil. Yeah, 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 I've heard it all in the comments before. I know weeds still germinate even with the fabric. I understand that. I'm agreeing with you. You, you, you hear the words that are coming out of my mouth? I am agreeing with you, you trolls. This argument will go on forever. But that problem, the weeds that are germinating in there, have nothing to do with what's underneath the fabric. It all has to do with the product that you used, what has come in since your installation, 
and what type of maintenance or deferred maintenance you choose to, to go by. Now, I've seen quality commercial landscape fabric put down in and around planting materials and nearly a weed has ever popped up. And why? They put pre-emergent underneath the fabric and in and around the plants, put the fabric down, put the gravel down, staked it all in place and everything, and then did something miraculous. They maintain the area a little bit here and a little bit there as some type of weed seed blew in last summer and now it's germinating this spring. You've got to maintain it. It'll reduce the amount of weeds for you. I will guarantee you that. But it will not take away from the fact that something that blows in from the Smiths across the road after their uh, mow and blow dude blew all their freshly cut Bermuda grass seed across the street and into your brand new or existing uh, stone mulched planting bed area. Can't help that. It's going to germinate. When you see it come up, pull it out. Plain and simple. Don't ignore it. Don't say, nah, I got the game on Saturday. Can't be out bothering that stuff. Ah, I was supposed to go fishing, you know. Nah, I was going to, you know, the, the girls and I were going to get together for a, a wine tasting day. Whatever. Hey, don't, don't complain. You know, it's, things are going to stay there. Now, out of all the landscapes that I installed professionally, what percentage of my jobs actually had gravel or stone mulch? Mm, I would say 10% sometimes less from year to year. When I was really doing the drought stuff, it was a lot more popular. When the drought eased a couple of times during my contracting career, and we went back to organic mulch, you know, so the other 90%, yeah, they were, they were generally always some wood product type of mulch. So if you're choosing a mulch, whether it be a stone mulch or a wood mulch, I really suggest you try this thought process. Think small. Think small and think depth. The more depth you can put to it and still make it look good, I don't want you to have, you know, 12 inches of gravel mulch. That's, that's just overkill. But you have to remember what the purposes of these things are. So getting those things in, if you have small stuff, it will sift down into each other. It will knit in and it will provide a much more evaporative reduction zone underneath that mulch, whether it be gravel or whether it be organic, and it will cool those new roots and the mature roots as well, and it will do a lot of other things. I've generally had about a two to four inch layer, and the other benefit of the mulch was it tended to conceal other elements of the landscape, elements like the drip irrigation system, which went in right before the mulch, right before getting it in there and snaking it through and putting it wherever it needed to go. And then also lighting cable, either hiding the loop or hiding cable that was placed in and around the landscape on top of the ground. Usually I put the cable under the ground and then daylighted it where each fixture was going to be. But there was times where I tucked it up against walkways, etc., especially if it was a lighting only type of situation where I was just putting in just lighting. I didn't trench out too much. But gravels, the ones that I did were always over a fabric. All I never, I never ever mulched over without a fabric, plain and simple. And mulching is one of those last steps in a full-blown landscape makeover. I installed it right after planting, 
and the installation of the drip irrigation. I would often even have my lighting in at the same time in that little three steps process before mulching. And then if ground covers were called for, if they were called for in the design, I would mulch, get everything all raked out, and then I would take my trays or my flats of ground cover and I would put the plugs where I wanted them to go, pull the mulch back away, do my digging and whatever I needed to do, plant the plugs and then put the mulch back over. I never did it where the ground cover went in first and then you come back and mulch because you have to do one of two things. You either have to go looking for all the little parts and pieces that you just planted by going, where, where was that one? Where was that? You know, or you had to put a flag where every single little ground cover plug was. And that was just a waste of time. So I did it the other way. So let's talk about the cost of mulch. You know, the cost of mulch is a small insurance policy on the overall project of your landscape. It really is. It's a small insurance policy for the amount of landscape investment dollars you're throwing at it. And it's a professional look when you get it done. And it's not a step that should be overlooked. I really strongly believe that. You know, I used to go one extra step, and I mentioned this just a minute ago, is where I generally put in a pre-emergent underneath fabric or on the ground underneath the mulch. That way, existing type of weed seed that might want to germinate in the future would be drastically reduced or eliminated and the fact that it would stick around for six months or so. If you do the pre-emergent, don't go digging up areas that you treated after you the pre-emergent is applied because you're gonna kill that chemical barrier and open yourself up for maybe latent weed seeds that are in there wanting to germinate. Does pre-emergent do anything for uh, dormant weed grasses in there that are like rhizomic, like Bermuda grass? Nope. Nope, it will not do a darn thing for Bermuda grass. Okay, so some of the things that I've seen as far as mulch use, and I'm going to start off with the northern climates where I have been and seen it, and used in slightly different way, a way that I don't totally agree with. I understand the concept, but then maintain it. I think these mulch volcanoes, as one commenter on the channel, <laughs> said it is purely for the protection of younger trees and the trunks of trees in very very cold climates and i get it i do get it for winterizing trees in those areas especially if the trees are in a boundary you know like you got a tree that could should be in five but you're trying to get it to thrive in four and you're getting it through its first or second winter so you make these mulch volcanoes that go 12 inches or more up the trunk of the tree. I get it. I understand it. But somebody should go out there and pull that volcano down during the growing season, open up the trunk for aeration, and certainly respiration of the crown of the tree. So what's a downside of mulch? The biggest downside I have seen is the allowing, how should I say this, on some of the bigger cobble type of mulches, the three by fives, you know, even one-inch cobbles, I found them on occasion, if they were present in the area, tend to be insect condominiums. Earwigs, pill bugs, even slugs and snails in some cases would get down in there and use that place as a, as a hangout and then come out at night and, uh, you know, nom-nom on your, on your valuables. So you have to kind of treat that. It, it may 
have already been there before you start doing the project. Now you got them and you've given them places to hide. I think there are times, and you've seen them on forums like Reddit landscape and stuff like that, where you'll get uh, little funguses and stuff that'll come up and take residency on top of uh, organic mulches. Those are generally little funguses that can be just put some gloves on, put them in a plastic bag and throw them away. Don't go freaking out about it. And you will tend to see that as Mother Nature starts to break down those mulches that you've put on there, especially organic mulches. That doesn't happen too often at all with uh, stone mulch. So remember this part. Mulch is not a cure-all. It's not a cure-all for weed control. It is a covering. It is a weed reduction step. But it's mainly for beautification. It is mainly for evaporation control. and you can get evaporation control and cool root zones with stones as well. Yeah, it'll heat it up a little bit, but if you have a three or four inch depth, your, your soil down underneath, the root zones, are going to be 10, 15 degrees cooler than if you just had the sun bearing down in a July afternoon on just the plain dirt. It really is. Ask the people down in the Southwest. You know, they've been mulching with stone forever because why? There's not a lot of coniferous trees down there that are harvested and create the mulch. They would have to import that stuff from hundreds and hundreds of miles away. And the cost would be rather, shall we say, prohibitive in some cases. Doesn't mean that they don't, but mostly they use gravels and mulches and decomposed granites and stuff. So, mulches, the use of them, the type that are out there, and what's the purpose that we use them for? I hope you got a little something out of this. I really do. But what are your thoughts? Do you use mulch of one kind or another? Does it work for you? And what kind do you use and why? I would love to hear from you guys on this topic. I really would. But as far as this podcast, hey, this is a wrap. And as always, to your landscape success, I'll see you guys next week. You can always avail my brain to you by a simple email, youryardcoach at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out the website. I'd love to get you involved in the ebook or the digital course, or maybe just the 15 step checklist if you have a project in mind. We are now in the fall. In many areas, you guys still got lots of time. In some areas, guys better get with it. Tonight is our first frost warning up in the Northeast. And uh, that just is kind of a reminder of what's to come. So if you have something and you're going to do it, better get on it now. Thanks for listening, guys. I'll see you next week. Bye for now. Hey, friends. Maestro here. Just dropping a reminder to check out the podcast description for discount opportunities and any important links. Also, if you're listening to this podcast on a specific app, please don't forget to rate and review the show. It helps us grow and continue to provide these free podcasts. Again, thanks for listening to this week's show, and we'll see you right here next week.